Remember, sometime back we used to take more than one subject in Kartak letter on a day. Sometimes we've taken up to three or four, right? Then, then we somehow got past that idea and we've been focusing on one. Today, we are back to not three or four, but two stories, two ideas that we are going to discuss on Kartak letter today. Both are political, both are from opposite sides of the political spectrum. One is pure politics, as in party politics. That, to give the story away right now, that is the Congress beginning to attack the BJP government with three questions a day on the Adani, Adani controversy. And the second is not directly party politics. I don't want to say one is pure politics, one is impure politics. The second, however, is not pure party politics. It is close enough though. That is the RSS chief Mohan Bhagwat speaking out on caste or against caste or the against the principle of caste and on jobs. So two, two sets of signals and two sets of development from two opposite sides of the ideological spectrum. So first of all, let's look at what Mohan Bhagwat has been saying. So RSS chief Mohan Bhagwat speaking in Maharashtra on the 647th anniversary of a great saint, Sant Ravidas, as we call him in the north, or Sant Rohidas, as he's called in Maharashtra, he's called Sant Ravidas, Rohidas, Rohidas. He's also revered particularly by a lot of the Dalit community. Remember, quite some time back, or about three years back, we had done an episode of Kartak Letter when there was a controversy about a Ravidas temple in Delhi, on the outskirts of Delhi. I will share a link with you because that one talks about. Sant Ravidas in some detail. So on his 647th anniversary. So Sant Ravidas was a great Bhakti period saint born in 1377. This was his 647th birth anniversary when Mohan Bhagavat was speaking. And he said a bunch of things. Now two things have made headlines. One that has made the bigger headlines is his comments on caste. In a sense what he said was that caste is not something that comes from Hindu tradition or shastras or that is divinely ordained that caste is caste is the result of some people pandits as he said pandits learned people this has also been seen as brahmin so some brahmin protests have started i've seen some videos in kanpur and places garb se kaum brahmin hai so brahmins have taken umbrage after that a and i put a correction basically saying that he did not say brahmin but he said that some pandits Pandits could be anything. Some Pandits have misinterpreted the Shastras to, to imply that caste is divinely ordained. That is not the issue. That is the one thing he has said. And I will give you some details of his quotations. It's in Marathi, so my colleagues have translated it. I, I'll read out some quotes to you from his speech in Marathi. And second thing he has said is that why are people so desperate to get government jobs? And there he has said, Government can produce at the most 10% of the jobs that a country needs, that our country needs. Private sector can produce another 20% of the jobs. Who will produce the rest? And that is where he's saying, don't be afraid of being self-employed. Self-employment is a good thing, but for that you need dignity of labor, etc. But you know what? This is, this is dovetailed into the caste discourse and vice versa. So what is it that he's saying on caste? First of all, he's saying, look, Mistakes have been made in the past. Mistakes have been made, made in the past. Just because our ancestors something, it doesn't mean that our ancestors did everything right. 
and that our ancestors did not make mistake. He said, even in our country, some mistakes happen and we should accept them. And he says, for example, that look, even in Europe, people of a generation, until a generation, believed that the earth, that the earth was the center of the universe, that everybody else, the sun and the moon and the rest, only revolved around the earth instead of the earth revolving around another planet. So they believed earth was the center, center of the universe. Of course, they believed Earth was flat also, and for and for questioning some of these notions, I am adding this now. Sir Sangsharak didn't say it. For questioning some of these some of these notions, we know what happened to Galileo, right? So he says he said that everybody's ancestors made mistakes. Even in our country, some mistakes happened, and we must accept them. We should accept them. Just by accepting our mistakes, it does not mean that our ancestors were useless, he says. Then he goes on to say, because everybody's ancestors make mistakes, 80, 90 generations ago, and I made a quick calculation, 80, 90 generations, if you take 50 years for a generation, it's a lot of years, right? You are going way behind in history. So he says, 80, 90 generations ago, interfaith marriages were common. So there was intermixing. And then over time, these changes came in. And people stopped intermarrying, and then this, this this kind of this kind of segregation began. And then he makes a political statement. He says, if one caste, one community, or one party becomes it stays in power too long, then the rest get angry, and opposition develops, and that opposition is angry. This is what he said. We call incumbency, right? And if if then the party in power responds to that incumbency in anger or to or to fix it right or to or to settle scores my language not his or to settle scores that leads to further trouble he said our shastras our shastras never believed in caste that's what he's saying he said our shastras never believed in caste and in 1972 there was a big congregation in udp that's in karnataka coastal karnataka in 1972, there was a big congregation of acharyas, that is, priests and teachers from various various orders and sects of Hindu religion, and they had got together and they said there is no scope in India for caste-based differences. And he said, look, there is no space for there is no space for upper caste, lower caste, untouchability in our shastras. And then he takes example from Sanatan Granth and he says Dharmraj. Dharmraj, I presume, I presume is Yudhishthir, Dharmraj in Mahabharat. He says Dharmraj in Mahabharat was asked the question thrice, who becomes a Brahmin by birth or by work? Without hesitation, Dharmraj says, I am quoting Mohan Bhagwat, without hesitation, Dharmraj says, not by birth, by work and by virtue. And then he goes on to say, and this is a little bit tricky. He goes on to say, a shudra with virtue is respected, whereas a Brahmin with flaws is disrespected. So he says, class, caste, etc. should be thrown out, lock, stock and barrel. Now the important thing is, I told you this is a little tricky, because you might say, it's one thing to say that a shudra with qualities will be respected. A Brahmin with bad virtues will be disrespected, but the point is you're then starting with the presumption that says that somebody is Shudra and somebody is Brahmin, right? That's a comment from me, but caste is a complicated thing. It is very challenging to answer it without referring to caste. So that is where, that is where he is referring to caste 
to again make his larger point. But this will be contested. Then he goes on to say, we forget, and I quote, we forget that we were equal. And once that feeling goes away, every individual becomes selfish, which means once the feeling that we are all equal goes away, everybody becomes selfish. And once we forget our identity, we forget who we are, who are our people, our national identity and everything else. This is when the downfall of a society begins. And then he goes on to say, and I quote, self-seekers continue conventional practices for their own benefit. And he said it's because of this situation, because Indian society or Hindu society had got caught in this trap. And that's where he comes to his favorite issue. And he says that's how the Islamic invaders, he just says Islam, that's how Islam came in and that's how India lost. So once again, it takes you back to the interview he had given earlier, where he talked about a thousand year war, about Hindus having been in, in a thousand year war. So in terms of his own politics, he hasn't moved at all. He stayed where he is with his politics. That hasn't moved. And then he says, and this is an exact quote, he says, The truth is God. Whatever the name, ability and honor, everybody is the same and there are no differences. What some pundits say on the basis of Shastras is a lie. Right Now, this is the line that has become controversial. Because he says, what some pundits say, on the basis of Shastras is a lie. This was immediately interpreted to mean that Brahmins, it is who are the Pandits, they are Brahmins and they've interpreted the Shastras in such a way, which is a lie. Sar Sanchalak also, he is actually speaking against the Brahmins. That is what ANI later corrected. And they've let it be at Pandits, you can make your own translation of that. And then he goes on to say, we are misled by caste superiority, illusion and illusion has to be set aside. Now for Sir Sanchalak to say it, you know, head of a very, very traditional uh, social, socio-religious, political organization, this is very interesting. This is a very strong statement against, although if you were interacting with RSS people, if you were watching RSS shakhas, a lot of it is said there as well. It's just that, when the reigning Sir Sangchalak says it and the BJP is in power with a big majority, you have to ask some questions in terms of why this is happening, what is the purpose, what are the implications. So purpose and implications are, in my view, simply because and this is analysis, this is not opinion. This is simply because the BJP knows that the only way it can be defeated in the Hindi heartland. For Narendra Modi to get his majority, he has to sweep the Hindi heartland and mostly, mostly some of the western states, that is Gujarat, Maharashtra, ideally for him, all the right now it's tough, and Karnataka. If that happens, then he gets comfortably above 200 and then 272 looks a reality. But if that doesn't happen, he doesn't get 272. And the only way he can be denied that is if caste can be used once again to divide the Hindu voters, which means caste can be used once again to divide what religion united or what BJP has now reunited through religion. So caste is a threat and is speaking up on caste. The second thing he's talked about is jobs. Again, the biggest, if you see the latest India Today Mood of the Nation poll, a very large number of people, more than 50% say the biggest problem for India is jobs. In a particular demographic that is 18 to 34 age group, more than 60% people say that the biggest problem in India is jobs. And they say jobs are a problem across age categories. It's not just a problem for young people, it's a 
problem for older people also. So this is also a response to that. And this is also classical RSS thinking that you should not depend on government jobs or private sector jobs, blue collar, white collar, you should become self-employed, right? And there he says, he says, unless you have dignity of labor, you cannot become self-employed. And that's again where the question of Shudra, upper caste, Savarnas, etc. would come in, although he doesn't say it. And he gives the example of a school kid, a class 8 school kid who washes dishes at a dhaba kind of place and then learns from people and sets up a pan shop, self-employed, running a pan shop. From that pan shop, he earns enough to buy, he says, a 28 lakh rupee house. Now, the fact is, why is he saying this? These are common virtue signaling uh, statements, but why is he saying it? So, the conclusion is that now there is anxiety about what this jobs crisis might do to the BGP. So, just as caste is a threat, jobs anxiety is also a threat. And he has addressed both of those in this, in this speech. Now, that said, let's move on to the second story, which is the Congress. The Congress yesterday, that is Sunday, uh, they obviously worked very hard on Saturday. They now see that Adani crisis or Adani controversy is an opportunity for them. So on Sunday, the Congress party came up with its own idea of attacking BGP on a daily basis because they are saying they are not being allowed to, allowed to speak in the way they want in Parliament. They want a JPC, etc. That unfortunately, uh, our parliamentary practice is so broken right now that it's very difficult to have have a serious discussion on something controversial. So, so they say, we are not getting that opportunity. So we will pose three questions every day. So three questions every day. The first day's questions, you will see these on the print. We are publishing those. These are, these are important stories. So first day, the three questions were, first of all, what happens to the brother of uh, Gautam Adani who lives overseas, so who has many companies or shell companies as these are called, although shell companies doesn't necessarily mean the companies do nothing because if the companies did nothing, it won't be such a story. And the Congress party says that this has, that his name has figured in many of these revelations, Panama Papers, uh, Pandora Papers, etc., etc. And is there, is there a story of stock market manipulation, accounting frauds, etc., etc.? Why is there no investigation? Aapki niyat, niyat means intention or your sincerity. Aapki niyat kya hai, right? Because you've been talking about taking out all such practices and because of this, you made the people of India suffer from demonetization. And how come you are not moving into this with your agency? That's number one. Number two, they said, this is the first of these three questions. Number two, they say you, you've used investigating agencies all the time against everybody. But why never against the Adani group, right? And the third question is that other groups have, have in fact been raided for much less raided, harassed, etc. for much less. So why not the Adanis? Now, the next day's questions, that is today's questions, are all focused on LIC. So the first question is that you use LIC's money to bail out other PSUs, particularly other PSUs which were either to be privatized or which were selling equity had to be helped because there was not enough people coming in the market to buy that equity, you got LIC to use its money or you used LIC's money. So they say for IDBI, New India Assurance, General Insurance Corporation, you used LIC to support them to buy their equity or to invest in them. But, but why use LIC 
to invest in Adani's companies, particularly when other private institutions were very hesitant to invest in Adani's companies and they were not doing so. And then they used the BJP's language against itself. And they say, is this monkey banking? Now, this is a combination. I know you're smarter than me, so you figured it. Because monkey banking is a combination of phone banking, which the BJP accuses Congress of having done uh, in U under UPA 2. That is, somebody makes a phone call to a bank chairman in Bombay and says, Isko itne paise de do. It gives so much money to so and so. And also monkey bath, right? So they have made a hybrid of two. And they ask if this is monkey banking. The next question in the second lot, that Adani Group itself has been the subject of four major investigations by, by SEBI and others. In spite of that, why didn't anybody raise questions about LIC investing in the Adani group? And the third they say is that after Hindenburg report, in the first sell-off itself, LIC's shareholding in Adani group companies lost 32,000 crores in value. Did you think about it? And not just that, LIC's own share has also fallen by 14% in two weeks while NAC, National Stock Exchange or Nifty has fallen by 2%. So you've also lost value. Value in LIC's own market cap. Not only has LIC lost value from its own portfolio of Adani shares, but it has also lost value in its own market cap. So they say, Chuppi Todiye Pradhan Mantri Ji. Right now, when I talk about this, it takes me right back 35 years. 35 years in this building. I wasn't working in this building 35 years back. I was working then for India Today magazine. I'm taking you back to 1987. But 1987 is when the big Bofor scam took place. And there were lots of other issues about Rajiv Gandhi's government. That's when Rajiv Gandhi had begun, begun to weaken and attacks on him had really intensified. So Ram Milani, late Ram Milani, the top lawyer, he started asking, he was in the opposition, he started asking Rajiv Gandhi 10 questions a day. 10 questions a day and he said he will ask 10 questions a day for 30 days until he has a list of 300 questions unless Rajiv Gandhi falls before that, his government falls before that. And where was he doing it from? He was doing it from this building. The print is located in the express building in Delhi. We have a tiny island on third floor but those days when the Indian Express was located here, Ram Palani actually had an office in the on a side of the Indian Express newsroom and it is from there that he used to send out these 10 questions a day and those 10 questions every day were published on the front page of the Indian Express newspaper and that those questions were quite eclectic you know some of them were about the about the gun deal gun deal as in the Bofors gun deal but many other questions about were about other things Rajiv Gandhi his family uh, the Italian side of his fa family or the European side of his, of his family, his quote-unquote relationship with Ajitabh Bachchan, brother of Amitabh Bachchan, as, as you would know. Also, also Ajitabh Bachchan's alleged relationship with Kamla Nehru Trust and what was going on there. Again, questions about Rajiv Gandhi's Spanish brother-in-law, Jose Voldemort, Voldemort. It ends with a C, not T. Not, not like Harry Potter. I don't read Harry Potter, but I know Voldemort in Harry Potter is not a nice guy. So, Jose, Voldemort, and I'm picking these up from the archives of India Today magazine, where I worked then. Also, about Sonia's, so, Sonia's inheritance of her dad's, her father's estate, a car gifted by the King of Jordan or the Crown Prince of Jordan to Rajiv Gandhi, 
questions about lm chadda questions about rajiv gandhi using lm thapar's plain industrialist lm thapar's plain etc etc there were some errors there because he said rajiv gandhi had got a rolls royce from the royal family of jordan actually it got a range rover etc but why confuse yourself with minor detail right because this was politics pure politics and he went to sweden and he did his own investigations and those were the days when he was going to sweden and other people like arun jaitley and others were going to switzerland to investigate in the bofors deal to check out the hindujas and and vinchanda etc and quatroki etc 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 and that is when veer sangvi started referring to them as inspector cluzos right inspector cluzo went to this place inspector cluzo went to this place that was quite a colorful period in indian political history in fact arun jaitley used to tell us a story of how they would go on these travels and in any case a lot of the campaign was run from ramnath goenka's home either here in his office here and his guest house or from his home the penthouse in mumbai and how they would gather with him to run the bofors campaign at once as they came in from delhi mr goenka saw the baggage stubs the hand baggage stubs on their on their bags and those days you might remember indian airlines was the only airline and hand baggage stubs particularly for business class used to be quite large and those hand baggage tags always remained there because you needed a security stamp on those see we've come through those times security stamp so one such day this is a favorite jetly story and i think he mentioned this also in one of the indian express functions ramnath goenka caught one of those stubs and he says business class you guys are using my money to travel business business class that is not allowed nice little story but the fact is that there was that campaign at that at that point this also led to some interesting exchanges for example once rajiv gandhi was asked that why are you not commenting on what what ram jetlani says so rajiv rajiv gandhi in anger in anger rajiv gandhi said i don't have to respond to every barking dog in response to which ram jetlani said watch dogs only bark at thieves so that tamasha went on for quite some time and we know ultimately what happened those campaigns by the opposition particularly the bjp succeeded and rajiv gandhi lost power and since then congress party has never got a full majority back of its own in conclusion we must understand something that in any contested situation it may be a war it may be a sport it may be politics the loser usually learns a lot more than the winner because winner wins and the winner, winner forgets the lessons usually usually because winner thinks victory is heady but the loser learns lessons sometimes the losers take time learning lessons as the congress has done but what is happening right now this response from the congress now the three questions a day on the adani issue three questions a day to modi government is a loser learning from experience of a big defeat that is why this is a very interesting new development in our politics 